What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another edition of Heavy Sports Presents, the Matt Lombardo Show. Of course, I am Heavy Sports Senior NFL Insider Matt Lombardo. Great to have you here. The NFL draft is right around the corner. A quarterback in the NFL makes headlines this week, signing a massive history-making contract with his team. And as the draft approaches, some positions are valued a lot higher than others by those inside the NFL. We're going to get to all of that and a whole lot more inside a jam-packed edition of the Matt Lombardo Show. But before we do, as always, just a little bit of housekeeping for you. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to the Apple Podcast Store. Leave us those five-star reviews. Let us know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like, maybe a guest or two that you'd love to hear from, and we'll go and try to get them on in the coming weeks. And of course, the new home of the Matt Lombardo Show and all of our NFL video content, all of the analysis, all of the interviews, everything that you could want to view when it comes to the NFL and to my work is at heavy.com slash videos. So make sure that you check out heavy.com slash videos to find the home of the Matt Lombardo show. And, you know, the NFL draft is approaching. It's right around the corner. It'll be here before we know it. The first round gets underway on Thursday, April 27th, and that's when the Carolina Panthers end all of the suspense and take the quarterback that they believe will be the franchise quarterback of their future. But as we said at the top of the show, there's another quarterback, a current star quarterback in the NFL, who was the biggest story in sports this week. That's because the Philadelphia Eagles followed through on what they hoped to do, what they planned to do, and what they wanted to do since last September when they signed Jalen Hurts to a record-setting contract extension this week after Hurts played his way into the MVP conversation and the Eagles into a Super Bowl back in February. This week, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts agreed to a five-year extension worth $255 million that for now, at least for now, makes Jalen Hurts the highest-paid player in NFL history. His contract includes $176 million in guarantees, and that deal, it takes care of Jalen Hurts. It underscores just how much the Eagles value Jalen Hurts. You know what it also does? It keeps Jalen Hurts' cap number low for the next four years. And let's be honest here. Those are the years that matter most because this contract, in my opinion, was nothing short, and let's not mince words here, it was nothing short of an absolute masterpiece by Howie Roseman. Because if we look at the Eagles roster, if we look at the landscape of the NFL, if we look at where that team and that franchise is at this moment with that quarterback, the Eagles have a three to four year window to win multiple Super Bowls. When you look at the age of the best players on their roster, when you survey the landscape of the entire conference, what other teams are dealing with at the quarterback position, especially if and when Aaron Rodgers eventually makes his way to the New York Jets, leaving the Green Bay Packers behind, it really is Jalen Hurts and the rest in the NFC. Who's Jalen Hurts' competition for the top quarterback in the conference right now? Is it, you look at it right now, is it Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys? They certainly have to rebuild some of the talent around him. Dak Prescott doesn't have the benefit of the offensive line that Hurts has in Philadelphia right now. The San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy was a nice story last year. Let's see if he can do it again. Let's see if he can do it for a 17-game season and going through the rigors of a postseason run on the way to a Super Bowl. Let's see if he can stay healthy and stay effective. But for the next three years, those are the years that matter most to the Eagles' Super Bowl chances. At age 24, this is the time. This is the window for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles to make multiple runs 
take multiple bites at that Super Bowl apple. And the Eagles structured this contract, this extension, in a way that it is not going to impact their ability to build around Jalen Hurts at all. Because when you look at this contract, after Jalen Hurts put pen to paper, the Eagles still have $13.5 million in cap space this year. They'll have $45 million in cap space next year. And in 2025, they'll have around $89 million in cap space and $129 million in spending flexibility in 2026. That's after you subtract out Jalen Hurts' cap numbers from what they're projected to have it over the cap right now. So when you look at this deal from an Eagles perspective, in Philadelphia with a general manager like Howie Roseman, who took two different head coaches and two different quarterbacks, to a pair of Super Bowls in a five-year window. When you look at what the Eagles have with Jalen Hurts, when you look at what they have in Howie Roseman and his ability to build not only through the draft, but structure contracts via free agency and extending young players in a very team-friendly way to keep the window open, I bet big on the Eagles as the team to beat in the NFC for the foreseeable future. And when I look at Jalen Hurts, I've had a couple people, a couple friends, you know, I live in the Philadelphia area, so I'm around Eagles fans and neighbors are Eagles fans, family members are Eagles fans. My dad went to the Super Bowl the year the Eagles won it when I was covering the team for NJ.com. I've had fans come up and ask me this week, is Jalen Hurts really worth the money? Did the Eagles do the right thing here? And to me, it's an emphatic yes. When you look at what Jalen Hurts did this past year, he was second in the league not just among quarterbacks, but tied for second in the league in rushing touchdowns. He led the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He was top five in passing yards, top 10 in passing touchdowns, all while playing only 15 games. And Jalen Hurts has gotten better every step of the way, from college to the Senior Bowl, to the NFL Combine, to each of his first two years in Philadelphia. And I know that there's some skeptics out there who say the Eagles were a quote-unquote dream team or all-star game, all-star team last season. But here's the thing. That offensive line isn't going to be any worse this year. They'll figure out at running back what to do to replace Miles Sanders. A.J. Brown isn't going anywhere. Devontae Smith isn't going anywhere. That defense, the secondary, they brought everybody back except for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. In the secondary, they have some great linebacker depth. The defensive line is as dominant as any defensive line in the NFL. But as we know, in the NFL, it is a quarterback-driven league. And when you have one, you have a real chance to win the Super Bowl. And the Eagles took care of theirs in a big way. But there's another element here to what made the Eagles and Howie Roseman's timing so perfect when it comes to this deal. They took care of Jalen Hurts. And they took care of Jalen Hurts at a big number. Make no mistake about that. They stacked the money, the big money, early in the deal to take care of Jalen Hurts. They stretched the cap hits out over the length of a five-year contract. But Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman wrote the big checks early to underscore their commitment moving forward to Jalen Hurts and what he means to that franchise. But they weren't forced to overpay for Jalen Hurts either. And that's because they beat the Bengals and Joe Burrow. They beat the Chargers with Justin Herbert and the Ravens with Lamar Jackson to the punch to extend their quarterback. Because here's the thing, whoever signed their young quarterback first was always going to get the best deal. And in Philadelphia, they didn't lose any leverage whatsoever. This deal came together on their terms and Jalen Hurts's without 
having the benefit for Hertz's side of looking at the Joe Burrow deal, the Justin Herbert deal, the Lamar Jackson deal as framework. And the Eagles got it done early, which they're notorious for doing. But when you look across the league, there might not be a more invested or interested observer in this situation to this contract of this deal than Lamar Jackson. Now, I spoke to an agent this week who represents multiple starting quarterbacks, and he told me that he actually thinks Jalen Hurts' contract helps Lamar Jackson, that if Jackson doesn't come off his desire for a fully guaranteed contract, that he might be able to use the framework that we just talked about of Jalen Hurts' contract at $51 million per year to get a shorter, fully guaranteed contract. So you have to wonder, would Lamar Jackson take $153 million guaranteed over, say, three seasons in Baltimore, collect that $153 million right out of the chute, get to free agency at age 29 for another crack at that apple? Most teams want to extend these contracts out like the Eagles did for four, five, six years so that you don't get hit with the cap hit early on so that it doesn't impact your ability in free agency or taking care of other players on your roster of building around that quarterback. But when you look at Lamar Jackson and his situation, when you look at what the Ravens are doing, it might make sense, especially for Lamar, to go for that shorter contract, a little bit less total money, but the same guaranteed APY, that just might get it done. But if you're the Ravens and you look at what happened in Philadelphia, who's to say you don't go to Lamar Jackson and say, okay, rather than the fully guaranteed money, we're going to give you $300 million over six years. Stretch it to $310 million. What do we care? Get the higher APY than Jalen Hurts, but go to $300 to $310 million. I don't know that the Ravens would wind up doing that. I don't know that Lamar Jackson would take that if it means getting to free agency a little bit later on. Because when I look at what the Eagles did, they bet on Jalen Hurts' upside. They bet that at age 24, 25, 26, and 27, that he's going to be able to not only replicate, but surpass the level of success that he had in Philadelphia this season with the team that's around him. The difference here is that when the Ravens sign Lamar Jackson, sure, you're betting on the upside of Lamar's insane athletic ability. You're probably a little bit worried about the injury risk because of his style of play, but you're also rewarding the track record of a 2019 NFL MVP award of going to the postseason three times. Because when all is said and done, when you look at Jalen Hurts' contract, it's going to figure into how the Ravens and Lamar Jackson approach their talks most likely. And I think that Jalen Hurts' contract is going to be a noteworthy benchmark for Lamar Jackson and his negotiations and how this all plays out with the Ravens and his future. But let's switch gears here from two of the NFL star quarterbacks to stars of the future from this year's NFL draft, maybe, because when I look at this year's draft, it really feels like this year, especially in the first round, is more unpredictable in years past. If you feel that way, I think there's pretty good reason as to why, because if you're reading the mock drafts and they seem all over the place, I think they are. And I think there's a big reason why nobody seems to have their finger on the pulse of this particular draft. 
why there's so much uncertainty over who's going to go where, which team is going to make the biggest splashes, who the best players are even at various positions in this year's draft class. Because I spent some time this week talking to sources from all corners of the NFL, agents with a vested interest in getting their players some publicity, coaches, front office executives who will be in the war rooms across the country next weekend. And the consensus that I came away with was that this just isn't that great of a draft. I had an NFC executive tell me point blank. He thinks that this is one of the weaker first rounds that he can remember in many years and that teams will be drafting for need, quote unquote, in this year's draft, especially in the first round. Hell, Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, just came out and said it during his pre-draft availability with the media this week. When Bean was asked how many players do the Bills have a first-round grade on, he didn't give an answer, but he did say, quote, it's not great, unquote. It's been a while since we've had general managers and executives on the record and off kind of downplay the level of talent in a particular draft class, especially at the top of the board. And, you know, you look at this year's class, there aren't that many can't-miss generational prospects this year. There just aren't. And here's another thing, something that I just found out a couple hours before recording this podcast. Talking to an agent who has a quarterback in this year's class, who represents multiple NFL starters in the league, he tells me that the conversations that he's having, he gets a real sense that people in the media are much higher on this year's quarterback class then the teams will be picking those quarterbacks. The, the media is way higher on this year's NFL draft quarterback class than the teams themselves are. And when you step back and you think about that, I think that that's kind of the reason why after the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud debate, there really isn't much certainty about who the next quarterback is, whether it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or even Tennessee's Hendon Hooker who I had an executive tell me he thinks is going to be a surprise first-round pick. And you saw the Giants brought him in for a visit this week, 10 days out of the NFL draft. They just signed Daniel Jones to a long-term extension. They're kicking the tires on Hendon Hooker as well. There doesn't seem to be a consensus about who QB3, QB4 is, where these quarterbacks are going to go. And part of the reason for that, it sure sounds like, is that the team's aren't as high on and don't have as high expectations for the quarterbacks as those in the media do. I just don't see a Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddell in this year's class. And I'm not so sure that either Young or Stroud are going to develop into a Joe Burrow, a Lamar Jackson, or a Jalen Hurts. And there's certainly some talent in this draft. I think it's a really deep tight end class. I think it's a good year to need a tight end in the draft. Maybe surprisingly deep. I think you're going to see some guys get overdrafted compared to mock drafts at the back end of round one through rounds two and round three. And I think that as far as cornerbacks go, it's a great year to need a corner. You might see four corners taken in the first 15 picks, but it doesn't feel like a draft that's loaded with star power from top to bottom. It doesn't sound like this is the year that you want to go searching for a franchise quarterback and you're not picking in the top two selections. And it sounds like that lack of star power is a theme that people inside the league are feeling about this draft as well. But I will say this. I do think that there is one player who can be a real difference maker in this class. I do think there, there is an offensive player in this draft that you can take and say he's going to change your culture. And that player 
is Texas running back Bijan Robinson because Robinson is a total beast. He's as versatile as he is explosive and productive. Last season, he rushed for 1,580 yards with 18 touchdowns. But here's the thing. He also averaged 16 and a half yards per reception, and you can line him up everywhere. In some ways, he's similar to Saquon Barkley in that regard because he's most effective as a receiver from the slot or catching passes out of the backfield in space, just as he is as a dominant between the tackles runner. And here's the thing. I finally started to come around to the fact that taking Saquon Barkley number two overall was probably a mistake by the New York Giants, only because of where the Giants roster was at that time. The offensive line was in total shambles. Dave Gettleman and the Giants very foolishly tried to ride a duct-taped Eli Manning one last time to one last run at postseason glory. We know how that worked out. And a year later, they traded Odell Beckham Jr. away, which completely undoes any justification or any reason for drafting a generational talent like Saquon Barkley to put in an offense so that a rookie quarterback can come in and have a tailor-made Ferrari that he can drive as a rookie quarterback. The Giants handled that situation all wrong because taking Barkley or any running back that high with a top five selection with a bad roster compounded by a coaching staff like Pat Shermer and later Joe Judge, who had no idea how to utilize Saquon Barkley and just how important it was to get the ball in his hands in space rather than using him as a battering ram, it shouldn't be a surprise of what you wound up getting. And that is not making the postseason until Saquon Barkley's fourth season in the league. And by the time that the Giants are in a position to compete, now you're coming off of a pair of significant injuries. You had the ACL tear. You had the high ankle sprain. But I think that when you look around the rest of the NFL, Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants don't need to be a cautionary tale. It is what it is. I think it was a mistake. What they did with Saquon Barkley, not because of the player, but because of just how poorly that roster was constructed and the compounded bad decisions that were made after that draft. But this is different. Bijan Robinson is different than Saquon Barkley because in the right circumstances, he has the chance and the potential to be the difference maker that Barkley is as a player on a winning situation. Because think about this. The Giants took Saquon number two. Think about some of these teams that are in the top 15 picks. The Rams pick sixth. The Philadelphia Eagles are sitting there at pick number 10. The Green Bay Packers own the 15th pick in the draft. When you look at all of those rosters, when you look at all of those situations, each of those teams would be significantly closer to being significant, legitimate Super Bowl contenders if you drop Robinson into their offense. Just think about the Eagles, for example, with the best offensive line in football by leaps and bounds, with an offense that you can spread defenses thin thanks to A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and the mobility of Jalen Hurts and everything that it allows you to do from a schematic standpoint, and you put Bijan Robinson in that backfield, good luck. Los Angeles, they have to be better than they were a year ago with a healthy Matthew Stafford. Robinson could be their battering ram, pun intended. And the Packers, they have some great young receivers, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. And you look at Jordan Love, probably a little bit of an unknown, but if you want to continue to build a young nucleus, why not give him a versatile, dominant, explosive running back to round out that core for the next three or four years? 
And from a perspective of the Philadelphia Eagles, Robinson solidifies them as the team to beat in the NFC, particularly on offense, for years to come. If you're a rebuilding team, absolutely stay away from drafting a running back high in the first round. Don't even think about it. Make sure your offensive line is shored up. Make sure that you have playmakers on defense. And you damn well better make sure that you have a franchise quarterback with a window to not only develop, but ultimately help you compete for Super Bowls. Absolutely stay away from drafting a running back if you're in one of those situations, if you're one of those teams that I just described. But the flip side of that coin, there's a reason Howie Roseman tried to trade for Christian McCaffrey last year. There's a reason why John Lynch did trade for Christian McCaffrey last year. If you have a roster that's already elite, that's already fairly complete, that's already dominant on offense, an elite and versatile running back can put you over the top. That's what Bijan Robinson is, and that's what he can do for a contending team in this league. Before we get out of here, there's one situation that I just don't understand, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. Because as you know, I reported back in March that the Falcons' conversations with the Ravens about a possible Lamar Jackson trade really intensified during the NFL Combine. I stand by that reporting. I know that it happened. Even if Atlanta very publicly came out and announced within minutes of the Ravens using the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson that they're not going to pursue Lamar Jackson, that they're not going to try to trade for or sign to an offer sheet the 2019 NFL MVP. I stand by all of it, but their situation doesn't make any sense at all, at all. Because if the Falcons don't want to trade for Lamar Jackson, if you're telling Desmond Ritter that you're our guy, that we're going to go to battle with you, behind you, around you in 2023, then why are they hosting CJ Stroud on a pre-draft visit? Because they're sitting at number nine in the NFL draft. They could easily trade up to go and get C.J. Stroud, if the Panthers don't take him, they can make a deal with the Houston Texans to move back because, of course, there's reporting out there that the Texans are in Bryce Young or bust mode when it comes to the quarterback position. But when you look at the situation the Falcons are in, you can argue that the NFC South is the weakest division in all of football. The Buccaneers are in salary cap hell. They're in quarterback purgatory even with Baker Mayfield. Carolina's done some nice things over the course of this offseason. They're going to come away with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever they view to be QB1 in this year's class. But when you look at what the Atlanta Falcons have, looking at New Orleans, sure, there's some pieces there, but eventually they're going to have to pay the piper. The NFC South is not a collection of world beaters here. If you're the Falcons, are you good enough? to make the postseason this year. I don't think they're good enough right now with Desmond Ritter. I'd argue that the Panthers, even with Bryce Young, aren't going to the playoffs this season. Somebody has to win that division, but I don't think it's either one of those two teams. And you look at Atlanta, I'd argue that with the right quarterback, the Falcons have a window here. They have Drake London, who looks like an elite, all-pro caliber, difference-making wide receiver who they drafted last year. They have tight end Kyle Pitts, they have a veteran tight end in Jonu Smith. There aren't a more important position. There's not a more important position to the development of a young quarterback than tight end, than that security blanket. And Atlanta has two of them. 
They have a run-based scheme, which Lamar Jackson is perfect for. And with Lamar Jackson, if you would trade the Ravens the ninth pick, if you would sign him to that offer sheet and part of the package is the ninth pick this year, fine. You have a two- to three-year window where you're the best team in your division by far. With Lamar Jackson, for the next two to three years, the Atlanta Falcons are the best team in the NFC South. They're the favorites to win that division. And here's the other thing. With the defense they have, they might be the team best suited to make a run at the Eagles for supremacy in the NFC. Sometimes teams have to make bold decisions. Sometimes teams have to take chances. And I'm not so sure that taking C.J. Stroud separates Atlanta this year. And once the Buccaneers next season get their quarterback, or once the Carolina Panthers with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever they take get to develop theirs, will Stroud or Levis or Richardson or Desmond Ritter be good enough? Who knows? But I do know the Falcons run away with the NFC South this season with Lamar Jackson. At least they would if they trade for him. Who knows if they'll sign him? Who knows if they'll make a move? They say they're not, but I've been told by people inside the league that there are teams that are interested, just not publicly. So we might see some fireworks coming up leading into and during the NFL draft. That's about all the time we have for this show today. Really enjoyed it. Really appreciate you for tuning in. Again, if you enjoy my work, please go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. You can read my column each and every week at heavy.com. You can subscribe to the Matt Lombardo Show in the Apple Podcast Store. Leave us those five-star reviews. They really do help grow the show. And please go ahead and check out heavy.com slash videos. I'm Matt Lombardo. I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show presented by Heavy Sports.